Let's stand together. And I want to talk to you today about your crosswalk. Your crosswalk, the walk of a disciple. Can we have some lights over here, guys, please? Thank you so much. I want them to be able to read their Bibles. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Hold up that Bible and wave it. Now, I'm going to be in Luke 14, so and I'm in the New King James Version. If you don't have your Bible, then we've got it on the screen for you. But otherwise, look at Luke 14, verse 25, and I'm going to start reading. Jesus is being followed by a great crowd. And it says, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to the large crowd, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, what does it say next? He cannot be my disciple. He's telling us all the things that are going to stop us from discipleship. Now look at verse 27, and this is where I'm going today. And whoever does not bear his cross, notice he doesn't say my cross. He says your cross. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you will bless and anoint and touch. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand the call to discipleship. Help us, Lord, to grasp what we have been called to walk in. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a disciple whether you know it or not. Okay. Amen. You're a disciple whether you know it or not. Now, We've been on crosswalk. As you can see behind me, these beautiful graphics that our tech team did, the cross in the middle. We've been talking about the crosswalk, the crosswalk. We've all been called as believers to a crosswalk, a walk where we carry a cross. And I wanted to share in this series what really that means, because I think a lot of the time we do not hear um, genuine Christianity preached and taught. We are sort of an Americanized, fluffed out, pillow, comfy, prosperity, God wants to bless you version. And we don't hear the other side where Jesus said, guess what? You're going to have to pick up a cross and follow me. So in the last few weeks, we've talked about first your discipleship. What does discipleship mean? It means to be a learner. We've all been called. If you're a Christian, you ought to be a disciple. The Bible doesn't make the difference, doesn't distinguish. Every Christian was a disciple. If you were a disciple, you were a Christian. Then the second week, we talked about your affections, how they are to be supremely set on Jesus, our affections, because he cares where our hearts are. He cares. And he's really focused on our heart. So your discipleship, your affections, today I want to talk about your cross, Not his cross, your cross. Jesus said, whoever doesn't bear his cross and come after me cannot, notice, cannot be my disciple. I looked in the Greek and said, what does cannot mean? You know what it means? Cannot. 
It means, as we were saying in East Texas, can't. You cannot be his disciple. Now, if you look earlier on in Luke, in Luke chapter 9, you're going to see that Jesus gives the fullest statement on this call of ours to carry the cross. He adds some things to it. And I want you to listen carefully because this is talking to you and to me. He's turned around to the crowd following him. And he said, let me tell you the terms of the agreement if you're going to follow me. Here it is. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. How often? Daily. Is that what it says? And take up his cross daily and follow me. So a couple of things added here. He said, if if we're going to pick up the cross, here's what it means. Picking up the cross means to deny ourselves and to do it daily. Now, if I'm trying to sell something, that is not what I'm going to tell people. We don't like to hear that we're going to have to deny ourselves because in our culture, here's the way we think. It's all about me and not about him. But the disciple flips it and says it's all about him and it's not about me. So Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to every day pick up your cross, which means denying yourself and follow me. Otherwise, you're not going to make it in discipleship. You're not going to finish what you've started. You're not going to break the tape at the end. Now, you'll still be saved. But as far as a person sold out to Jesus, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, you will not make it to the end in the road of discipleship if you do not pick up the cross and follow him daily. Now, if we don't deny ourselves when God's will requires it and live a crucified life, it means that it's like a boulder in the middle of the road. Jesus told us three things that will stop us from doing it. In other words, here we are. We're carrying a cross. We're picking up our cross. And all of a sudden, one of three things is in the middle of the road, and we've got to make a decision. And they are earthly attachments. They are selfishness. And they are possessions. Jesus said, those are the three things that are going to stop you. It's like a boulder in the middle of the road. It's a roadblock. Those are the roadblocks. Jesus said, you cannot follow me if your earthly affections are stronger than your affections for me. He said, there's going to be a roadblock if you insist on living selfishly and won't give up your own desires for the kingdom. And it's going to be a roadblock if you're stuck on stuff. If you're stuck on things. If you like material things more than you love him and spiritual riches. So those are the three roadblocks that are going to get in the middle of the road. Now, I want to begin with what it doesn't mean to pick up your cross and follow him. Because I, I heard it. I've heard it for years uh, taught wrongly. Many people believe this when they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what Jesus said. You got to pick up your cross and follow him. Now, here's what they believe. That the cross Jesus was talking about is some burden in their life that God has supposedly put on them. Like this, you're in a strained relationship. You're in a difficult marriage, and somebody says to you, hey, how's the marriage going? Oh, it's not so great. It's the cross the Lord has given me to bear. Don't call your marriage a cross. 
Oh, it's just the cross I've got to carry, Mary, to this rascal, right? Or how about a thankless job? You go to somebody, how's your job? Oh, it's terrible. Well, why don't you get another one? Because it's the cross Jesus has given me to bear. Or here's the worst. You've got some illness, some affliction, and somebody says to you, wow, uh, you're you're sick or you've got this affliction. And, And instead of looking at it, In a positive, redemptive way, here's the way you look at it. Oh, it's the cross the Lord has given me to bear. He put cancer on me because I needed a cross. Or he gives me these headaches because I just need a... I've got these migraines because it's just the cross he's called me to bear. Now, can I just tell you unequivocally, no, he didn't. That's not the cross. That is not the cross. So can you say with me, that is not my cross. That's not the cross Jesus was talking about. He said, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. Well, if that's not it, then what is the cross? Let me tell you what the cross is. It's real simple, and you're never going to forget this. Say with me, not mine, but thine. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Take up your cross and follow me simply means being willing to die to my own desires, my own wishes, my own wants when they come into conflict with following Jesus. It's that simple. That's the cross. So here you are. You're you're, you're carrying your cross and all of a sudden something whistles to you from over here or calls to you from over there and, and, and there is a huge temptation to put that cross down and say, now just... Stay there, don't go anywhere, I'll be right back. And then you go chasing and pursuing something that is not in the will of God for you. And let me tell you something, anytime you put your cross down to chase something that God doesn't have for you, you're going to rue the day you put that cross down. Because the cross is there to protect us from ourselves. You are why you've gotten into most of the trouble you've ever gotten in. Your flesh, right? Can't say the devil made me do it because if our flesh was crucified, the devil's got nothing to work with. Jesus said, take up your cross simply means that when you're walking along, you're carrying the cross and something begins to contest God's will in your life, then you say... Here's where I pick up my cross, die to myself, and follow Jesus. That's the cross. So I like to put it this way, not mine, but thine. Not my will, but thy will be done. This is called dying to yourself. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Doesn't that sound appealing? But you know, guess what? What is on the other side of the cross? It is the resurrection. On the other side of the cross is resurrection life, resurrection power, resurrection victory. On the other side of the cross is the power of God. When we die to ourselves and follow him, Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. If you seek to save your life by putting the cross down, you will lose it. But if you lose your life by picking the cross up, you will find life. It's one of those paradoxes in the word of God that to die or to live, we must die. 
And if we die to ourselves, we will live in the power of God. Here's the way it works. If I should say, wow, no way I'm going to give up what I want just to follow Jesus. I mean, I really want this and I really want that. And, and I just know I really have got to have the other. I'm not willing to let go of this or to walk away from that or deny myself this. That is when we've got to say, whoever wants to save his life by laying down the cross is going to lose it. Whoever loses his life by carrying his cross for me will save it. Isn't that strange how that works? But that's the way that it works. I've told you over and over again that Bible words are powerful. You know what the word save means? Right? He, he that... He that uh, if he picks up his cross and follows me and dies to himself, he will save his life. That word save means deliver you from the danger of being corrupted by the world. It will deliver you from missing God's will. And it will put you in a place of safety. If you pick up the cross and follow him. Because anytime we put that cross down and chase our own stuff, that is when we get in danger of missing the will of God for my life. So at every turn, with every decision, every day for the rest of our lives, we're to pick up that cross and, and, and when we need to, die to ourselves so we can successfully walk the life of discipleship and break the tape at the end and say with Paul, I have finished my course. I have finished. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you right up front, if you follow me in discipleship, you need to know the cross is costly. The cross is going to be costly. Following Jesus is, is, is easy when life is running smoothly, when the sun is shining, the waters are calm, the wind is at your back, there's blessings everywhere, everything's going great. You're riding high on a great wave of blessing. It's easy to follow Jesus then. I was thinking about the people that he turned around and talked to right here. Man, they were having an incredible experience. Free miracle lunches. He was a free ticket to a happy meal. I mean, you talk about a happy meal. When you're seeing bread multiplied and fish multiplied and you're eating a miraculously multiplied piece of bread, that's a real happy meal. And, 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 and they're watching people getting healed all the time. They're watching miracles abounding on every side. Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus when it, it's going on like that? He was a one-man gravy train. He was a walking wonder worker. It was amazing to walk with Jesus and see everything that he did. But that's when Jesus wheeled around and looked right at the same crowd and said, listen, let me talk to you about two people, a builder and a king. And I want you to listen real carefully to me because here's what discipleship is really all about. He said, which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, not able to finish, the foundation is laid, but somewhere down the road, that thing doesn't get finished. All who see it begin to mock him and point to the half-finished tower and say, this man began to build and he wasn't able to finish. Wah-ha-ha. What happened to the tower builder? 
He presents here a person who begins a walk of discipleship. He starts strong. He starts full of zeal. He begins, but he never sits back and counts the cost of what it's going to take. And what does it take, everybody? It takes everything to follow Jesus. Anything is on the table. And everything is on the table. And this man is not able to finish the project he began. The tower represents his life of discipleship. He starts to build a tower. He starts to walk a walk of discipleship and build his life around the kingdom of God. But somewhere along the way, he says, wow, I didn't know it was going to require this or that or the other because there's certain things I don't want to let go of. There's certain things I'm not going to surrender. When it comes to a contest between me and Jesus, there's certain things I'm not going to yield to him. And he's not able to finish. And everybody begins to mock. And we've seen people like this. They start strong and end badly. They, they begin really promisingly. But towards the end, they fizzle, they sputter, and they seem to die out. They're not excited anymore. Not walking with God anymore. They're rarely in church. They're out there, burned out, fried, crispy critters that used to be on fire for Jesus. What happened to them? Well, they didn't count the cost because somewhere along the way, one of those three roadblocks got them. I just knew that today was going to be a day where you jumped up and shouted and clapped and screamed. I knew it was. <laughs> no, I know you're thinking, and, and that's good because I want you to think. And Jesus wants us to think. So that's the builder. Now what about the king? The king is a warrior. What king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other, the approaching army is still a great ways off, the king who started the battle looks at the size of the army and says, I don't have enough strength to face that. I didn't count the cost. And he sends a delegation and says, hey, let's make peace. I don't want to fight. Can't we all just get along? Now listen, the spiritual warrior here didn't win the good fight because he wasn't prepared for the cost it would require. I think I'm talking to people here who have walked with the Lord for a while and you understand that, that this is a war. This is a battle we're in, and, and it's a fight. And you can't half-heartedly, half-baked say, well, yeah, 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 I'll join the army and I'll get involved in this fight because the devil will knock you off the saddle down the road unless you have looked and said, I am fully prepared to spill some blood, sweat, fight, take it down to the wire. I am all in. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm not going to quit. I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight the good fight and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in. I'm going to stand. The spiritual warrior here didn't win the good fight. He fizzled before he got to the finish. And faith that fizzles at the, fir, at the last was faulty at the first. Faith that fizzles at the last was faulty at the first. I think of Paul. He clearly counted the cost. In my book, Paul was the greatest Christian that's ever lived. 
Now listen to what he said at the end of his life. Oh, we all want to be able to say this. He said, I have fought a good fight. This is in the last chapter of the last letter he wrote before they took his head. So now his whole life is behind him. And he's saying, I have fought a good fight. I have finished. Can you say that word with me? Finish. Say it again. Finish. Say it one more time. It's a beautiful word. I finished. How many of you want to finish what you began? How many of you want to finish strong? There's something in me, the older I get, I'm thinking this way. I'm thinking, boy, there's something in me deep down in my innermost, innermost that wants to finish strong what I started so many years ago. I've been preaching 43 years, 43 years. Now watch this. And, and, And I'm still zealous. I'm still excited. I'm still cranked. I still love the word of God. I still love the Lord. I'm still preaching to you. I've been through hell and high water. I've been through enough to sink a battleship, but I'm still standing here, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of God. And I'm going to finish what I began. In that way you feel, we want to finish strong. We want to finish strong. Paul said, I finished my course. I kept the faith. Watch this. He fought something. He finished something. He kept something. All the way to the end. In Luke 9, 57 to 62, we see three people who wanted to follow Jesus in discipleship. Watch what happened to each of them. The first man Jesus dealt with is clearly used to being in a cushiony comfort zone which Jesus recognized when he looked at him. When Jesus looks at you, he scans you like an x-ray. He knows what's in you. And it says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. That's the voice of discipleship. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, let me tell you the cost. Foxes have holes And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Translated, discipleship will be inconvenient, sir. God's going to mess with your stuff. He's going to meddle with your business. There are going to be times you don't feel like doing what he wants you to do, but if you're going to pick up your cross and follow him, that's when you lay down your own want to to follow his want to. And so the man walked away. Then there was a second man. And this second man was torn by earthly loyalties. Then Jesus said to another man, he looked at him and said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first. Now there was his problem. That word, first, go and bury my father. He had a first in his life and it wasn't the kingdom. It wasn't Jesus. And Jesus said to him, hey, let the dead go bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Can I translate that for you? Discipleship must take top priority. This second man stumbled over Jesus' words. I can't even go bury my father? Are you kidding? No, because when I say follow me, you drop everything and you lay down your own desires and you pick up your cross and you follow me and trust me with the repercussions. Then there was a third man who was torn by a familial bond. And isn't that a strong one? Family. 
And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me, and there's the word again, first go and bid my family farewell. They're at my house. I'm just going to run, say goodbye. And look what the Lord said. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Translated, discipleship requires single-hearted devotion. The third man was taken by surprise. None of these men was willing to take up his cross and crucify his own interests. Now, Jesus was here. If I could step out of the way and he could come stand here at this pulpit, wouldn't that be great? Now, here's some questions he might put to us. One, are you willing to follow me if it means losing some of your closest friends? Then he might continue and ask another one. Are you willing to follow me if it means alienation from your family? A third one, are you willing to follow me if it means the loss of your reputation? Oh, Lord, I've worked my whole life to to build this reputation. Let me tell you something. People don't think about you what you think they do anyway. Don't worry about what people think. You're a hero one day, a zero the next. They're slapping you on the back one day, stabbing you in the back the next. Why worry about what people think? I care about what he thinks, but don't care about what people think. They change on you like the weather. But nevertheless, you willing to give up your reputation, have people make fun of you and look at you askance if you were to give your life to Jesus and really follow him in discipleship? He might say, are you willing to follow me if it means losing your job? That's happening to people all over America. And here's the last one, the biggie. Are you willing to follow me if it means losing your life? Oh, Lord, I'll do a lot of things, but I don't think I'm ready to die. But that's what Jesus said. In some places of the world, that's happening right now as I speak. There are people who are losing their life right now because they won't give up the name of Jesus. See, Jesus said, if you're not loaded for bear, as we would say in East Texas, if you're not loaded for bear and preemptively have thought through all the, it's not that all these things are going to happen, but it's that we should be preemptively prepared to make the choice should any of them happen. Because some of them will. Are you willing to follow me? He said, if you're not, then you cannot be my disciple. It is encouraging to me to know that Jesus blazed the trail and paved the way by himself picking up his cross to the end. But you know what I realized this week as I was getting ready for this? Jesus picked up his cross before he ever touched the wooden one. Let me tell you what I mean. Jesus followed his own call to death to self before he ever went to the actual cross and died. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we're told that that Jesus sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. He was in incredible consternation. He was incredibly troubled about the approaching and looming cross. And he prayed a prayer. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Not mine, but thine. 
Not mine, but thine. And I want you to notice what he said in this prayer. He talked about the cup of suffering. Now, I used to read that and think, oh, he's talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about being whipped. He's talking about when they'll pluck his beard out and put the crown of thorns on his head. That's what he's talking about. And then I realized it's more than that. The cup of suffering, the, the whole metaphor of a cup is all throughout the Old Testament. And the cup in the Old Testament, when we discover it, when we come across it, can refer to our very lives being like a cup that is filled with one thing or another. Let me give you an example. In the 23rd Psalm, David said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup, what does it do? Runneth over. What's he talking about? His life is running over with the blessing and the joy of God. So his cup runneth over. But then I saw in the Old Testament that the cup was also filled with other things, such as the judgment of God. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet said to, to Jerusalem. Wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. So here's Jerusalem pictured as a cup receiving and being filled with the fury of the Lord because of their sin. So David was experiencing a cup full of blessing, but Jerusalem was experiencing a cup full of judgment. And then it hit me. Jesus said, if this cup of suffering can pass from me, that's what he was talking about. Because folks, on the cross, when Jesus stretched out his arms and they nailed him to that tree... And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Somehow in the mysterious dealings of God, God was pouring into his cup the judgment and the wrath and the fury that was meant for us. But Jesus paid it all. That's why all to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. See, Jesus was filled with the fury of God's judgment so that we wouldn't have to experience it. And that's what he really wanted to be delivered of because for a moment there on that tree, he was separated from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, for the first time in eternity past and never to happen again in the eternity future, Jesus was separated from the Father and that is the cup he dreaded. But he did it for you and me. That's why the Bible says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a wonderful Savior we serve. What an incredible sacrifice he made. Can we just stop a minute and give him a clap offering for what he did? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's so good. So when he prays about avoiding the cup, he's pointing to this image from the scriptures. But thank God, Jesus chose to deny himself in Gethsemane or he would have never picked up the wooden one and carried it up Golgotha's hill and died on that tree for you and me. He would have been stopped by the roadblock of self-preservation. Now, there's one last thing I want to mention before we end this today. Your cross and my cross are not the same. The cross is different for each person. Now, we have 
similar things, uh, similar aspects to the cross. That is, we are all as Christians to crucify the flesh. We're all as Christians to deny ourselves. But my cross is not going to be your cross, and your cross is not going to be my cross in, in, in many different ways throughout life. Let me show you a biblical example as we close. After his resurrection, I love this story because Peter is so real. After his resurrection, Jesus looked right at Simon Peter. He confronted him. He said, listen, Peter, let me tell you the way you're going to die. When you were young, Peter, you went where you wanted to go and you did what you wanted to do. But when you're old, they're going to take you where you don't want to go and they're going to do to you what you don't want done. By that, Jesus was signifying he was going to die a martyr's death. Now, I love the reality of the word here. Because Peter's standing here. Now, John is over here. And Peter's standing there, and, and he hears this heavy word, wow, I'm going to be martyred. He, he turns, and he looks at John, and he says, what about him? I love that. What about him? Like, hey, that's pretty heavy, Lord. It's not fair. Tell John what's going to happen to him. And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, are you ready? Some of you need to hear this. What is that to you? What is that to you? Can I give you a revised Wickwire version? Peter, and in any of your business, what I do with my man is none of your business. Because your cross and his cross are different. Because you're going to be hung upside down on a cross, Simon Peter, because we know that's how he died. But John, he's going to be exiled to an island called Patmos as an old man. He's going to be lonely. Nobody's going to be there with him. And while he's on that lonely rock in the middle of the sea, I'm going to appear to him, and I'm going to give him a revelation that's going to rock the world. And so, Peter, my will for you is what I said. My will for him is different. The crosses are different. John's going to have to pick up that cross of loneliness. He's going to have to say, Lord, I could get off this island. I could try to find a way out, but I'm here. I pick up my cross. I lay down my own desires, and I seek you. And he wrote down 22 chapters of the Revelation. One day, Peter said, take me. We're going to hang out across. No, 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 not like my Lord. Put it upside down. Because I'm not worthy to die like he did. And he picked up his cross. And that's the way it is, folks. So whenever the will of God requires that we deny ourselves in order to follow Jesus, that's our cue. Pick up the cross deny yourself, and then you can follow him. Can we stand together today?